0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Nodes in the Net, a weekly tangential irreverent conversation that caters to the interests of liminal trickster mystics, likely like you, if you are listening to this. Uh, Today's node is going to be Jimmy Burgess, who is a longtime friend of the show, and by that I mean friend of me, (laughs) is one of the few uh, remaining relationships available to me in meat space. Uh, Jimmy is someone I've known, uh, since before, the before times, the long, long ago. <laughs> Jimmy's someone I've known, uh, uh, as a coworker since, uh, pre-pandemic. Uh, you know, that, that whole era, that epoch, uh, that is long since past. You know, despite that though, I, or I don't know if despite that is the right way to put it, but yes, despite that. Uh, Jimmy is someone who's, like, very much on the same intellectual bandwidth as, you know, you, me, or any of the other people who uh, listen to this podcast or who have guested on it. Uh, Jimmy's actually one of the, like, first people I met in uh, in my adult life who made me feel comfortable to be, like, my own quirky, intellectual, you know, esoteric kind of seeker of a self and i this episode i you know i just finished listening to it to do the editing and at his request i've left everything in um so <laughs> you know enjoy that not that i usually do a ton of editing but this one is actually uh raw but this is a fantastic episode! I had a lot of fun listening to it, and I I think you're gonna have a lot of fun listening to it, too. We talk a lot about philosophy, we talk about politics, we talk about Silicon Valley culture... Uh, we talk mainly, I would say, about addictions and the various ways that they show up in our lives. Like, that, uh, you know, you, you could become addicted to a person, you could become addicted to a substance, to a social media platform, you know, whatever uh, the case may be. We're all sort of uh, apparently transfixed by uh, this fundamental whole, uh, that. Y- y- there are nuances to it. Each person's hole is a little different, but archetypically, there's kind of these shared qualities to all of our all of our holes. <laughs> uh, that you know, no one made that joke in the podcast, but we really should have. It's a fantastic conversation, and you're gonna love it. Before we get there, let me just uh, point out that you can follow uh, the Creek Masons. Notes in the Net is a Creek Masons podcast, after all, and you can follow us on Twitter. At Creek Masons, you can also follow at Nodes in the Net for episode announcements. You can also follow us on TikTok, where we're at Creek Masons. And please, won't you head to CreekMasons.com and sign up for the mailing list? Uh, All we're asking for is your email. Uh, Would be fantastic to uh, grow our follower base, uh, because at some point, I'd like to start publishing novels. And having people signed up <laughs> for an email list kind of helps with that. Uh, so I, I would love your support. Uh, if you haven't done that already, uh, please do. CreekMasons.com. The link will be in the show notes. And yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything else that I really need to say. Uh, I will uh, leave you with just a few thoughts from this essay Uh, which is up on CreekMasons.com. It's an essay about addiction and how I used what I called then Xanax breath, but now I I refer more confidently to as pranayama uh, to treat my addiction and uh, become a slightly more balanced person, someone a little bit more in charge of my life, less at the whim of the karmic baggage and loops uh, that were pounded into me by both genetics and early life experience. Uh, so enough yapping well, I mean you know at least an hour more of yapping but uh, <laughs> uh, let me just read you uh, just this short snippet of this essay and then we're gonna dive right into this episode with my old friend Jimmy Burgess. Metamodernism suggests the defining metaphors of our time are the network, the spectrum and addiction. If nothing else, technology is society's all-consuming addiction. Innovation doesn't solve problems. It just externalizes them or pushes the consequences down the road. The hubris that we can control nature without unintended side effects is baseless. Heroin addicts can fall into a devastating trap. The only solution to their problem must be more heroin. I can't help being reminded of that when I hear about some new invention that promises to mitigate climate change. As Douglas Rushkoff frequently says, it's like the mega wealthy want to build a car that drives fast enough to escape their own exhaust. In the case of the heroin addict, the singular focus on only one solution remains all consuming until they overdose. In technology's case, we are almost at that point. We are creating pandemics, climate change, mass mental illness, the list goes on. The heroin addict will either die, technology is angling to destroy the planet, uh, or at least its ability to harbor life, or... The addict might have a moment of clarity and connect with a higher power. We still have time to regress technology while reviving spiritually. I realize this is an ironic conclusion when the rest of this essay tells you to download a meditation app uh, in order to complete the instructions. But you know what? A metronome will work just as well. You could even count to yourself in a quiet room. But regardless of the technology that assists you, give pranayama a shot. The more people who break out of an addictive mindset, the better our chances are of curbing consumption and preserving the habitability of our planet. At the very least, you can enjoy true equanimity while the world burns. whatever <laughs> Jimmy whatever. bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's okay well uh, my good bro Jimmy thanks for joining us on nodes in the net yeah
1: I'm happy to be here I've been a, a close friend of yours for a long time so I'm super happy to for the chance to catch up and talk to you
0: yeah yeah I' so uh, so we met at work uh, you are like I guess like my coding mentor. Uh, that's, that's one of the roles that you have in my life. In addition to, uh, you know, awesome friend and like, uh, occasional spiritual advisor, uh, (laughs) (laughs) especially early on, there were like a lot of, uh, conversations that we were having around like meditation and like not identifying with my anxiety and, uh, yeah. And yeah,
1: yeah, well, I,
0: so- I, you're like a couple of years younger than me, but I, I often have, I think, used you for your wisdom. That's very interesting. I, uh, I think
1: in a lot of those categories, I'd say you've taken them much farther than me and surpassed me, like in meditation, for sure. It seems like you've gone super deep into that and know, know more about it than, than I ever, uh did. But, um, yeah, it's interesting that you feel that way because I feel the same way about you. Like I would say it's kind of reverse if I feel like you're the older guy and I've learned learned stuff from you. <laughs> so, <Aww>. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I guess like that's, that's been a feature of our, of our friendship with like the, even I guess before I started a podcast, some of my uh, more titillating conversations that like made me feel like I might be podcast worthy uh, mm. where were some of those that we were having uh you know late at night hanging around your house
1: yeah I think you and I do have a kind of predisposition to go on the deep philosophical rants so it's a good yeah. pairing. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah i i uh, I think like one of the things that uh is like an impressive claim to fame of yours is that one time you convinced freedom that free will doesn't exist. And it 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 didn't it didn't stick. Uh but I I could tell like in the moment you completely had her. (laughs) Which like she's very like choice oriented person. So it was impressive. I remember that exact uh, conversation you're talking about
1: and to give credit where credit is due. Mostly I'm just kind of like paraphrasing Sam Harris when I make that argument, but I do think it is a very, like very compelling and convincing argument. I think it's, I had the same kind of magical moment of of hearing it. So when I heard it originally from him, so I think I kind of recreated that for (laughs) freedom (laughs) channeled Sam Harris. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so uh, so I drew a tarot card, uh, and I was expecting like um, you know let's keep talking about free will, but it's actually it's actually not quite uh, up that alley. Uh, we got the Queen of Cups, which mm-hmm. like you know, it of all the tarot cards in my deck, I would say probably the Queen of Cups is the one that has been pulled most often. And I think that that's like primarily, I, f- I may have said this on the podcast before, but I think that that's primarily because a lot of the readings that people have asked me to do on TikTok have been uh, like love readings, you know, like mm. what should I do to be more attuned to my partner or whatever? And the queen of cups come up, comes up and it's, it's like a, it's a card. She's like sitting on a throne, uh, surrounded by like waves, and uh, she's got like the most elaborate cup in her hands in the entire cup suit. Um,
1: interesting, it. like it's,
0: it. it's it's like so it's got see. a lid. Sorry, I said oh, I'm I'm just googling it so I
1: can see. Yeah, I see what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and she it's got that like lid on it that's like meant to in- imply uh, that she's like intuitive. You know, the cup suit is about emotions, and she's uh mm. she's listening to the emotions that are you know she's got a lid on them they're inside her um uh, but she's also you know compassionate caring uh she's someone who's emotionally stable and in flow and uh you know reversed it is uh sometimes signify significant of inner feelings self care self love uh that's been a big topic for me lately uh mm. codependency perhaps so I don't know does the tarot know something about uh your your desires to, does that bring anything up for you
1: um well let's that, I mean the, the first thing you said is, is I guess it sounds like it's primarily kind of a romance card right like people are this one is drawn in the context of like uh relationship advice um and so definitely it does, as you were saying all that stuff it made me just uh and uh, probably I think just the topic is like first in my mind and no matter how any conversation starts it's this wonderful new girlfriend i have i'm just yeah <laughs> so in love with her yeah oh yeah. um, <laughs> that's sweet i think i've gone on the rant to you many times of kind of like the perfect person i'm looking for of like I, like i always feel like it's hard for me to find my crowd of like you've got the wild people and you've got the smart kind of hardworking people mm. usually there's not a lot of mixing like the wild people are too wild and they're like lives are falling apart and it's too chaotic and I, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a bad influence on me and they're also usually not smart and can't have like stimulating conversations and stuff like that then you go <laughs> to the other side where you've got like the smart hardworking crowd and they're all squares and they're like we don't drink and you know they don't want to do anything but <laughs> Um, so yeah, I always feel like it's hard for me. I, I'm some kind of weird blend of those two categories where I like to you know, enjoy intellectual pursuits and working hard, but I also like to do a bunch of drugs and <laughs> hang out and have fun. So, <laughs> um, and yeah, this girl, she's like exactly that kind of person. You know, she's like, soup works like 12 hours a day. Like, uh, oh, wow yeah software engineer super intelligent plays piano like wakes up and just starts playing like mozart songs on piano <laughs> wow. and also loves like going out dancing and drinking and being wild with me too um uh, so yeah it's an incredible and i know i'm going on a long way rant the one other thing i'd say back to the point that you made that uh, also resonated with me on the card was about uh codependence which i feel like has been a huge problem in a lot of my uh past relationships of like Mm. because before this like I had been single for a good amount of time and I I could feel the spell of Coda Bennett's kind of being broken of like learning how to be like oh I'm actually really happy just doing stuff by myself in fact I almost prefer this um versus now I can feel myself slipping back into like I really want to be around her all the time you know like Mm. it's uh, it almost uh uncomfortable to be alone because I'm just so used to being uh With her. But the nice thing is, I think, because she's such a workaholic, it's almost hard for me to slip too far down that pattern with her of like, you know, on typical work days, I just don't see her till like, you know, midnight or something, because she's just at work all day.
0: Yeah, right. And I think, uh, I mean, you, you also uh, are an insane. Are you still doing those like 90 hour weeks? (laughs) I am, and also, I mean, it's
1: probably good because a lot of it kind of fuels it from her side. It's like, well, if I'm not going to see her, I might as well <laughs> sit around and work too. So <laughs> getting a lot of work done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so this is like a really interesting thing about your personality uh, that I think is like, uh, like worth planting a flag in. It's it, you. Uh, you live very like you're burning the candle from both ends. And like, I I think that that's, it's really, uh, it's admirable how much you're able to like get away with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Like, uh, the, uh, the characteristics that you're describing that are like attractive to you of like the, you know, the smart people and also the partiers it's like in, in both areas, it's a, uh like a an elevation or an in, intensity is the word i'm looking for like an intensity mm. of uh, connection and an intensity of activity and an intensity of uh, engagement with work and, and, and all of this and it's i'm i'm really happy to hear that you that you found someone who who fits all of the, uh, across all of those categories Yeah. Thanks, man. And if you
1: think I'm uh, burning the candle, you should see her. I can barely keep up with this girl somehow. I mean, I think some people just need less sleep, you know, she's like, yeah. Sleeps maybe five hours a night or something, but and wakes up full of energy, like ready to do stuff. I'm just constantly in like old man state of like, Oh my gosh, how can I wake up right now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Well, so, uh, so let's, let's, zero in on this like codependency thing like how do you how do you define that because i mean like i think everyone in the millennial generation is uh is everyone i've met has like some sort of issue with codependency yeah
1: i think it's uh, a problem that can have many different causes uh Like for some people, maybe it's like your parents are like super affectionate to you or something, like maybe over coddling. And so you're kind of used to Mm -hmm. that. I would guess that's probably the the biggest category of explanation, like the typical millennial case. I think in my case, it's, I I probably have a more uh, esoteric or, or smaller category of like people who share this explanation. I think it goes to what you were just saying before about kind of my. Uh, like, a big part of my personality is the intensity or, like, the burning the candle at both ends. Definitely, mm-hmm. if, if I were to kind of say, like, what's my cornerstone from from Westworld, you know, it's, like, obsessiveness oh, yeah. is, like, is like my defining personality trait. Like, everything I do, there's, you know, chain-smoking cigarettes, playing video games till 6 a.m., playing guitar 14 <laughs> hours a day, working, you know. It, everything I do, like, I cannot kind of be moderate with something you know it's just i swing from one obsession to the next and go super hard on it get burnt out and find the next obsession and so it's just it's like a kind of just pattern of the way i approach everything in life and then if you put that in the context of also like romantic relationships it can be just as dangerous as like a drug addiction i think of like you know i'm just uh, so obsessed with this person and this vision of like we're gonna have this beautiful life together and uh it can just get too far you know like i think there's uh it's always such things like too much of a a good thing like uh yeah like back to bring it back to this girl like it's so nice to have the contrast of like she was gone working all day and now we get to spend a little bit of time together at night Mm. versus like if you know the codependence just ran wild we'd probably get sick of each other
0: yeah yeah so i that's interesting that like uh it's it, it is sort of what I'm saying. The intensity, the inability to approach things with like a moderate level of uh, yeah of interest. So, I mean, I th- I would say like yes. I was actually I was just talking about this with Freedom the other day. I do think that people get addicted to people, um, and like you can make the point that it's like. Oh, it's oxytocin that you're really addicted to, or it's the uh, dopamine of having a uh, revelatory epiphanous co- conversation or something like that. Um, but there's, I don't know, there's something about like companionship, I think that is, uh, that's like, I don't know. You, It it sometimes feels like you're always after a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Certainly that's, that's a way that I feel. Uh or have yeah. in the past. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily
1: like the top, the content of the conversations or the stimulation the person provides. I do think what you're saying would be more my guess of, I think, uh, one of the hardest kind of psychological truths for anyone to face in life is that no matter what, you really are always alone at the end of the day. Like even Mm. if you have somebody that you feel intimately connected with uh, your parents or a lover or something, still, they can always just on the flip of a dime turn into an asshole or whatever and be like, I'm leaving you, you know, this is done or get out of our house. Right. You can always lose it. Like, uh, uh, and so I think that, it's almost like a religious thing of like, it's a way, you know, in the same way, maybe believing in God can give you some comfort to like, what are the big questions in life or something? Having this person as a way of kind of feeling this myth to yourself of like, actually, I'm not alone. And this is a slightly more beautiful world, but I think ultimately it's delusional and not,
0: not real. <laughs> oh no, how dark. <laughs> the- yeah, it. I. but you're right. Like it is a sort of faith that you have to uh, enter into with no real uh, concrete evidence to back it up that like, this is commitment. And, you know, there's, there's the verbal agreement, you know, or, or like, in my case, I'm married. So I've got like the, the contractual agreement recognized by the state uh, that, you know, it's, it would be difficult for us to split up, (laughs) you know, there, there would be paperwork and probably lawyers and shit involved and it it would suck. Um, But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways people can leave you and, um, and yeah, inner feelings is another, is another uh, uh, quality, I guess that's sometimes indicated when the queen of cups comes up in, in readings and I sort of feel like I don't know. I'm getting like Donnie Darko vibes. It's interesting that movie has come up like multiple times this week for oh. me. Um, but that like, there's that uh, that line from like the crazy old lady in Donnie Darko where she's saying uh, every living creature dies alone, mm. and like that is the most the like innermost feeling available to any of us is like the loneliness of being in our own world and only ever actually relating to other people through the projections that we that we cast onto them, the roles that we assign them, and the um, you know, the 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 mirror that they provide us into our own personality. Yeah. Actually I loved Donnie Darko when I was like a teenager.
1: You know, it's one of these movies where I like same obsessive thing like uh, anytime i find a movie i would like especially as a teenager i just watch it again be like let's go start <laughs> i watched the movie like 10 times over the next you know two or three days and i totally did that with donnie darko then at some point as an adult i came back to watch it and i don't know in my mid-20s or something i was like oh my god what is this super dramatized like teen crap <laughs> like <you know?
0: laughs>
1: uh, yeah i do think it is a great movie if you're at that time in your life uh I right. think it resonates a lot with kind of like adolescent angst and depression and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think uh, back to the, the point you were making, um, <laughs> yeah, w- one piece of it is like the possibility the person can leave. Um, but like you said, that like, it, it can be very impractical and also pretty unlikely in a lot of situations. I think that this is what you were hinting at too in the second part of what you were saying there is like a more fundamental way that even if the person is there you're still really alone you know, uh, like you said, it, it's all kind of, even if they're there that, you know, it's all still just in your head, your consciousness, your experience of this person. I think another kind of like anecdote I have where like, you can, I felt the pain of this in my own life. Is like, you have someone like this that you're, you know, really in love with. And maybe you're like excited to, you're about to get to see them. They're coming home from a day at work or they've been gone for a few days or something. Mm-hmm. And you've got this, a you can feel the codependence of like this is so exciting I'm, I'm you know i'm about to get to scratch the itch and then it yeah. happens and maybe you're happy for like a minute and then you kind of the feeling sets back in you're like oh really you know it's kind of nothing is actually that different you know like i'm still mm. just it's not like this other person hopped into my brain with me and now i'm less alone like ultimately i'm still me <laughs> i still have all my bullshit and Uh, this person is almost like another object in the room, but they can talk to me and stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, what you're describing is um, craving, I think, right. It's um, uh, the, I think it's like Charles Eisenstein talks about this a bit uh, where one of the, um, one of the holes that all of us, in modern society tend to carry with us is uh, a lack of feeling of like connection to the world around us, you know? And that's like, this is certainly something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Cause I've been getting into like chat GPT. And so I'm like, I'm asking it, you know, these like spiritual questions about like meditation and stuff, as opposed to finding a meditation teacher and like having an actual guru relationship or something like that, (laughs) you know, like getting the like disciplic succession, they call it where like the energy is handed down to you from like, you know, student to master over the last 3,000 years or whatever. So I'm, I'm divorced from that. And instead I'm like locked in my room, working from home alone and like Mm. spending some time uh, talking to a robot. Like uh, I feel like a character in WALL-E, you know, like my little like screen that's taking up the entirety of my field of vision. and, And I'm sort of locked in a cage of my own making. And like that, i think is the that isolation is like the fundamental quality of of like you know digital society or whatever you want to call what we're in right now and uh, and eisenstein says that that is what's like what what drives us to the excess and the craving is like it's really it's a whole that we try to fill with money or people or drugs or whatever. uh, That's really just like, it's a, it's a thirst for connection uh, that is impossible, especially now. uh, But maybe just, I don't know. What do you think? Like, uh, forever <laughs> you know like it has uh, uh, maybe i'm uh, i don't know what do you think is this something I, that yeah. like every human has dealt with since the dawn of time we like we develop these brains and now suddenly we have a cognitive world and consciousness that makes us feel apart from everyone and everything
1: i think um i think the whole analogy is a good one for what it feels like like it doesn't really, yeah. It doesn't feel like true enjoyment of like a tasty bite of food in your mouth or something. You know, it's more like it's all the anticipation of like I'm gonna get this thing and that's gonna fix this. Um, and what the whole is, I think, can be different for a lot of people. I think most people are born with at least one or two of like, um, and you know, they it might sound like kind of corny. Broad categories, but I think ultimately these are the kind of the low-level holes that people have. If we get down to the binary code of the holes, it's things like: is there a god? Yeah. Am I alone? What happens after yeah. you die? Right? I think these are the things that you know maybe manifest themselves, and like that's why I feel like I need another person or a, a substance or something. Um, and I think it's yeah, I would guess everybody is born with a few of them. Maybe there's different and better or worse ones to have, but. You know, if you look at the motivations of the typical person, I, they seem to be a lot, there's a lot of preoccupation with uh, what's my social status and how do I increase yeah. my ma- material value and how do I uh, become more popular, right? Uh, these things are the same kind of, mm-hmm. they look like the same kind of hole filling motivated behavior, uh, but it's not, it's much more harmless than drugs or uh, crazy codependent relationships and stuff like that. Um, so I think there's kind of a second element to it. Maybe it is the type of the hole that influences this, but like there's the fact that like I can have my hole and those people can have their holes. but There also does seem to be a second parameter here, which is like the degree of intensity that they choose to, uh, you know, like we might have the same kind of wound, but but put me in an opportunity for a codependent relationship and put them in an opportunity. I'm going to be the craziest
0: <laughs> guy in the room for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like a like a. a, I think that I remember something from like a psychology textbook, you know, ten years ago or whatever, of the different like dispositions of children, and some of them, some children, uh, you know, they like the sort of tabula rasa, you know, it's all nurture argument. I I think is out of vogue now, Uh, and there are like predispositions that you know that babies come with and then that are like reinforced through nurture, you know, like once, once someone, uh, notices that a a baby has a certain behavior or, or, um, you know, like pattern of, of wanting or whatever, then the adults around it notice that. And then they give it feedback that encourages, you know, the, continuation and the expansion of, of those like innate characteristics that are like partially genetically predetermined. And then the genes get like more activated as a result of, uh, this, this like interaction with the expectations of, you know, real humans in the world or whatever, you sort of become the water and fill the container that is provided to you by other people. Um, but uh, one of the characteristics to bring it back is, is like a, a high need for stimulation. Um, Mm. I I think, uh, like I, I definitely count myself among that. And I'm, I like, I, I really don't want to come off. Like I'm criticizing you (laughs) in any way, you know, because like, I definitely have like a really intense need for cognition. Uh, for example, where, um, you know, other people I think are fine, um, you know, driving to work with the music off or whatever where I I need to have like an audiobook or a podcast in my head at all times. It, if I'm not mm. like bathing in words and language, I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling like, uh, I don't know, I've, I, maybe that makes me feel too alone or that that makes the the whole noticeable. but uh, it's definitely like I think I think one person to another, there might be a different levels of uh, need for stimulation that, uh, that influence these things. You know, that uh, like
1: scene in Westworld where they've got the tablet and they're like, turn up the bulk app perception and the, you know, lower the emotional <laughs> yeah, sensitive. Yeah. I think that's like a good picture. I do think there are like essentially just dials like that in our DNA of like, how much do you have of this straight and then that one? Um, but yeah, I think then I think the big question becomes like, what are, what are the dials actually? Like probably, you know, i think it's very easy to divide them into the wrong categories like maybe we call it creativity but actually we should split it into like two subcategories or you know so in this one is it like intensity or obsessiveness or need for stimulation who knows but i I think there are some genetic dials there for for sure yeah one thing i was also thinking i'm curious if you have this too when you were talking about the need for stimulation i was like well, well but i you know this counter example came to my head of like i also have a lot of times where i feel like i'm just so crashed and tired of like i can just lay on the couch and watch tv for you know two days straight and barely yeah. move it, right? but i think it is actually the, the more i thought about it i think it's two sides of the same coin right those are just the crashes from the burnout of having exposed yeah. yourself to such high intensity for, <laughs> for so long i wonder if do you feel like you go through that
0: too well, I as you know, I'm bipolar. So I uh I have like these inbaked energy cycles that are constantly doing a sine curve where mm. uh the it, it's sort of it you can divide the sine curve into four quadrants and the the first one is like rising up and that's like I creativity and epiphanies and like feeling good and whatever and then there's the peak of Pure ecstasy, and then there's the downward uh, trajectory of like I'm starting to get anxious, and like I, mm. I'm still really high energy, uh, but now the, the things that are stimulating me are are being seen through this filter of this lens of anxiety, and then there's like the you know below the median point of uh, like the beginnings of depression, and uh, and and that's when I'm like that's when I'm prone to, you know, sit in the, in the chair and watch TV for two days or even, you know, just lay in bed and stare at the ceiling, you know, like there's, Mm. there's certainly uh, a familiarity level with the uh, contours of the stucco of my ceiling that uh, uh, I don't think I would have if I wasn't bipolar. Um, And then there's like the recovery phase, the like recuperation of like, now I've got, um, maybe my dopamine or serotonin reserves are filling back up and I can start like firing those things off again. And then there's the sort of self-reinforcing feedback loop that drives me all the way back up to uh, to mania again or or hypomania, mm. you know, because I'm medicated. I don't like go all the way. Um, but that is, yeah. What is it for you? I mean, like, do you, uh, what is burnout burnout's come up a couple times. Like what, what is yeah. burnout for you?
1: I think it's, uh, I think I have some of the kind of same cyclical pattern you described, describe, but like, I'm, I think I'm missing some of those stages. Like I don't, I definitely don't have kind of like the, like anxious state you described of like, <laughs> of like Love worried. That. It's usually just kind of two, I guess of like super high energy. Let's get shit done or let's party or, you know, to, crash laziness sloth like oh my god i just want to lay in bed and (laughs) order some order a pizza you know yeah yeah um which is not always like, sometimes I've had that where that lifestyle where it's definitely depression, you know, where I'm doing that for like three months and I feel like I don't want to get out of bed. Sometimes it's actually just like a comforting, nice way to spend your time, you know, like a yeah. Saturday and Sunday, just take it easy, lay in bed, watch TV. Like it's, it's. I don't, I wouldn't say it has a depressed tone to it. It's kind of just like a rest and recovery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, i I think that's a really healthy, um, a really healthy way of looking at it. That um, a friend of mine was quoting a meditation teacher named Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, uh, who said that in order to like propel yourself on the path to enlightenment, you, when you're doing good, don't slow down, and when you're doing bad, don't panic, and mm-hmm like, don't let up when things are good and don't panic when things are bad. And, uh, and that like, I think what you're describing is kind of that where it's like, maybe depression is just a, uh, you know, a fallow state you're, you're recharging, you know, you, you like a phone can't be, you know, playing TikTok videos for 72 hours straight. At some point you need to like put it down and plug it in you know yeah and maybe that's what television does yeah it's
1: a good point like is depression actually maybe kind of like an essential part of life um i think it i think it might be i could see that but i do feel like in my life in some cases it has gone too far like i think if you're doing that for months on end or years yeah then it's like uh, something has gone wrong. You're spending too much time with the the iPhone plugged in. (laughs) It's time to (laughs) unplug it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and for sure, there's like, uh, it's almost fractal, I would say, where there's like, there's the hourly sign curve. And then if you zoom out from that, there's like the daily and the weekly sign curve. And then if you zoom out, like there's a decade long sign curve, and, uh, in, like all of my twenties, I was in like a depressive state, you know, uh, yeah. uh and I don't want to, I don't want to minimize definitely, or in any way, the, the like seriousness of major, you know, unipolar clinical depression. Um, not all it, there's like the ups and downs in those smaller sign curves that are tolerable. <laughs> and then there's, there's something else as well you know that comes from like depression and grief and stuff
1: right i think similar to like the way we were talking about like you know why why do maybe millennials need to fill the hole it's it's a a symptom that can have uh, tons of different uh causes probably like I, i like i'm like the case of your like bipolar depression sounds pretty different from what uh i feel like my flavor of it is yeah um but it is. I mean, bipolar or not, I feel like everybody's life has these cycles. You're talking about like the the hourly ones. The you can yeah. zoom all the way out to the, like the lifespan. I mean, it's kind of funny how just predictable a person's life is. Of like, you're going to be like this in your 30s. You're going to be like that in your 40s. It's the right, same yeah. for everybody. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Hey, uh, one second. I gotta. I gotta hit the restroom. I'll be right back.
1: Oh, go for it.
0: I told you I nearly pee my pants once an episode. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know you're a, a frequent a frequent peer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you remember from uh, from the old days. Back when yeah. back when we were hanging out in Mead Space. I
1: don't know how much you listen to Joe Rogan but it is crazy how often this comes up on his podcast too because his are so long right it's like 3 4 hours there's a yeah. lot of like people just like cracking and be like I'm sorry we I have to go pee like, <laughs> it's, like it's so funny. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I so I don't
0: it, I don't listen to I I've actually maybe listened to two or three full episodes of Joe Rogan in oh, okay. my life um there Marathons. Like the uh, you know, what what probably my favorite podcaster, easily my favorite podcaster, is Duncan Trussell, who I think is like a an old friend of Joe's, like he's yeah. been on lots of times. And uh some of those episodes, I'm like, oh cool, Duncan's on someone else's podcast. I'll listen to I'll see what that's like. And it's like eight hours long, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. how do they do that? I like, that's crazy. Yeah,
1: I agree. It is. I, I feel like I can do it easily if we have a lot of drugs, but uh, yeah, just <laughs> straight sober talking for eight hours. I think, yeah, that is pretty hard, but I think it's like just the perfect background thing. You know, I love listening to podcasts while I work and the, usually those super long ones are kind of at the right level. Like I I almost would say maybe I like Lex Friedman as my number one podcaster, okay. Yeah, but sometimes it's too heavy. You know, like I need to just sit and listen to it. Like it's, I can't really do it while working. Yeah. Um, versus like something like a Joe Rogan, like an eight hour interview with Duncan Trussell. It's just going to be like shooting the shit. Like I can kind of mentally be popping in and out and don't have to, the same way with like TV, you know, it's like, are you going to watch Westworld or are you going to watch uh, Seinfeld? Right. It's uh, yes. very different choices for different situations.
0: Right. Yeah. I, a hundred percent. I can't, I, for sure. It depends on the activity actually for me where like uh, the podcast or book choice, uh, you know, in the shower, I'll probably listen to a podcast cause I'll be zoning in and out a lot. Mm. Uh, but if I'm taking a long drive, I'll, I'll prefer like a book on tape, something that I can devote 90% of my attention to and then, sort of let my body do what it knows it's supposed to to get me to my destination. Um yeah. Yeah, what do you, like, as a
1: as someone who's like kind of getting into podcasting yourself, do you what do you think of like do you have a particular style on that spectrum you're trying to go for? Like do you want to be more of like the concentrate and focus or more of the kind of free-floating and uh loose conversation?
0: That's a good question. I, so I think, uh, I like nailed down my podcast goals the other day, um, in like a previous episode with, uh, a, a guy, HP Love, who, uh, who encouraged me to think about this. And I, like, I think, um, uh, I think that a good way to put it is like, I think, wow, I'm saying I think a lot. Maybe I'll cut, like, of those, (laughs) I think out. but (laughs) you know, like I do want it to have a clip and a flow, Mm -hmm. um, but I also, I wouldn't mind uh, if the podcast represented for, for listeners of like a, a processing, you know, like, I think that, I think that in a lot of ways, that's what I'm doing with Mm -hmm. my creative life. It like I'm um I'm figuring things out and like struggling and uh you know learning all the time and um, trying to like take thesis and antithesis and turn them into synthesis and uh create like conciliance between different ideas that I encounter in all of the media intake that I'm constantly doing. Um and I think that like doing that sort of live is 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 what i aim for with nodes in the net like uh, you know with the with the help of a guest you know what what sorts of processing can we do that you know will will help metabolize the horrors of the modern modern world and uh, you know bring us all to the aquarian utopia that we deserve
1: mm. I see. So it sounds like the, that particular element of kind of like how focused of a conversation is, it isn't necessarily a factor for you. Like you're okay with either style, as long as you accomplish the goal of like the, the you feel like you've r- accurately reflected this process of kind of like how conversation leads to some lessons about life or uh, insights.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm definitely not like positioning this podcast to be like informational, you know. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I I don't think that it's exactly like you know three dudes on a couch <laughs> just chewing it up, right. you right. know. <laughs> like uh, so, somewhere in the middle, I feel like I, I'm just a fence sitter in all regards, you know. Mm.
1: Yeah, uh, I think you were not using the word "process" in this way, but it's like what the context made me think of it in, as like another dimension of podcasting. Some podcasts are very highly processed, like like, and this is what my girlfriend actually prefers. Is like her favorite is the New York Times podcast, where it's like yeah hundred percent scripted you know a 60 minute episode with timed, you know here's this is going to happen here's the climax of this story and all this stuff that's what she likes because it like feels professional to her and well done i actually it's hits me the total opposite way and and to me that's like the thing that i like about the podcast medium is this like you know, six hours of two guys just smoking weed and talking to each other with zero <laughs> nothing is edited. Like that's the that's what feels like a unique thing to me about podcasting that I enjoy. Um yeah, I'm not a fan of the like process but I like if I was gonna watch a documentary or something, I would prefer a highly processed, like New York Times style yeah. documentary.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent the same way I if I'm uh watching a documentary or reading a book um like certain thoughts I want to encounter uh Stephen Kotler talks about this where like a book is the culmination of like five to ten years of research and deep thinking and careful laying out of you know the the argument and editing and back and forth and all of this work, and so it's like a it's a very distilled you know diamond of an idea uh, and then like like you're saying, you know NPR podcasts are are sort of more in that category where they've these people have like a degree in journalism or something you know like yeah. that's not that's not me for sure. Uh, from podcasts, I think I want, um, just long form conversation, just people, people, uh, yeah, like experimenting and, and, uh, uncovering together. Yeah,
1: it'd be it'd be pretty funny to picture you doing like the NPR style version of, of like this conversation with me. It's like you know, spliced to like now. Here's some photos from Jimmy's childhood, and here's his-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But things weren't always this easy. <laughs> The cue, the cue to, like, uh, you know, cello. <laughs> like, like,
1: uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, my God. I was watching uh, the documentary on um, uh, John McAfee. Do you, hmm. Have you followed that guy's story at all? Is it the,
1: like, McAfee antivirus guy? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he had a, there's a documentary on him, but I know a little bit of, like, his – story
0: yeah yeah like the, he he's like just went completely insane and moved to central america and like tried to fuck whales and stuff oh uh, i didn't know it was that that far <laughs> I tried to fuck whales <laughs> yeah like the like if you look at his twitter it's like absolutely a hundred percent unhinged like he's he's like cooked up his own version oh. of bath salts that's like he lost it uh but the documentary about him on uh netflix was like uh that's what you were saying made me think of like if i if i was gonna make a documentary about you it would it would uh like i think you need to like go more more full john mcafee and then yeah uh, will be ready to splice that together from our years of friendship. Yeah. I don't know if my life story has enough like whale fucking and juicy
1: stuff like that to (laughs) make an NPR documentary out. Yeah, It'd be be very dry. Just like, yeah. And then Jimmy uh, went to work every day for 15 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You, you're, you're living fast. You're, you're living hard, right? I mean, there's gotta be. There's gotta be yeah. some fucking going on or, or some analog for it.
1: I think you could make a juicy five minute clip out of like, Oh, this is kind of crazy. This guy's doing a bunch of cocaine or something. But after five minutes, you go, okay, he's just kind of doing the same thing. He goes to work and then he gets fucked up. And then he goes to work and then he gets yeah. fucked
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, so here's a, here's a fun uh, callback to the queen of cups. Uh, emotional stability is, is one of mm. the qualities sometimes, uh, indicated, you know, by the queen of cups, uh, going to work, getting fucked up. <laughs> it's like, there's a, there's a stability to the chaos. I would say that's like an, in, the way that you phrased it. That's, that's what it made me think of. Yeah.
1: Though, I think it's the emotional stability is separate from that pattern in my life, or at least it feels like it for me. Because um, I do, I feel very emotionally stable right now, but definitely uh, like after yeah. breaking up with the previous girlfriend, I spent several months of, you know, now looking back, I can realize I feel, like feeling very emotionally unstable of just kind of like yeah. depressed, you know, not sure why you're doing anything. Uh, but still on the outside, the lifestyle is like mostly the same, like go to work, get fucked up.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Yeah. interesting. So it's like a, it's a another dimension. There's like, there's what you're doing and then there's how you're feeling. And, right. and those, those can be completely different things, but you're feeling stable now. That's, that's exciting.
1: I feel super stable. Yeah. I mean, cause it was really, it was a beautiful past several months of like, and like I said, like rediscovering like emotional independence of like getting to where I was like truly happy being by myself and I feel like in a lot of ways that is it's like a weird how do I even lose that because I feel like when I have it I've got it way more than most people of like I seem totally you know fine just being by myself with don't need anyone to converse with or a lot of times I don't even like it I'd rather be alone and you know read Mm -hmm. a book by myself or something but yeah but um yeah somehow it's like I, I can fall out of that and and then it takes, you know, months of like depression and stuff to rediscover and be like, oh yeah, like actually this is who I am. This is really sick. I like this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's interesting because I actually, I do uh, associate you kind of with the like Silicon Valley sovereign individual. Um, have, have you ever, do you know the the book, The Sovereign Individual? I don't know the book. Uh, yeah. Tell me more uh Peter Thiel wrote a forward for it recently and so it like got brought back up I think into the cultural consciousness um but it's an older book about um like pre dot-com bubble bursting about how our uh abilities as individuals to like um engage with like programming and things and and the the uh sort of redistribution of the means of production that like anybody can learn programming and like create a web app and, you know, mm. potentially strike it rich out of that, you know, or, or our, our, our skills are something that is a little bit less gatekeeped uh, than I, at least it was in like the medieval period or something. And this is like a, one of those like mega historical books that like looks at the pr- progress of uh I guess you could say um power uh mm-hmm. over over the course of the last you know thousands of years. And so it uh and the point that they're making is that you know if you if you think about like someone like, you know, Bezos or or Elon Musk or something, like Elon Musk just bought Twitter it, like as a, a dude who like <laughs> you know, bought a, a company that makes like billions of dollars a year or whatever. And he's, he's uh, like, no, no, one's going to you're going to tell him not to speed. What does yeah. he care? You know uh, is he's someone who has uh, earned the means for himself to mm. be sovereign and to, and to be like a, almost a nation state unto himself, you know? there's another story of uh Bezos who who had like a belgian bridge dismantled so that his super yacht could fit through it yeah um and you're not like at that level and you're not like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know you're not a douchebag but <laughs> but uh but there is like a i don't know like a a in the comfort that you're describing with being alone which Mm. i also feel you know working from home i'm i'm uh sometimes at my most comfortable when i have the maximum level of autonomy to be like oh i want to walk the dog now or whatever and if i'm not like being micromanaged then i you know even before i was into computers i was like i wanted to be a pizza delivery boy because i didn't have a manager you know in Mm. the car with me telling me what books to listen to or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, And so... Yeah, I don't know. There's a, I said a lot of words and I've, I've, uh, I've run out of words, but I don't think that it's going to end in a neatly packaged. (laughs) It doesn't have to. That's that's not at all where
1: I thought that what the topic of that sovereign individual book was, was going to be, I was picturing more like, uh, the stereotype of like, I don't know, the guy in the hoodie or whatever, uh, which I guess it's kind of that, but, um, yeah, it sounds like the deeper point there is more about the, like, availability of, like, power and, uh, you know, like, how anyone can teach themselves to code or, like, that feels like the point of the, the sovereignty that uh, you're bringing up there. But I do think it's a good one, but I would say that really transcends programming. Like, it's more about just the internet itself of, like, you yeah. know, even if I wanted to learn something totally else, like, the access to information I have compared to 50 years ago is insane. Um, but does it is it really having material consequences on the world? I don't know. I don't know that I see a lot of, like, oh, class mobility is transformed because little kids can Google how to code. or You know, I, I think the access to the information hasn't been the root kind of blocker for a long time. It's more like, uh, who are you in the first place? <laughs> like, do you even want to be learning? You know, most people don't want to go, like, time to study now that I'm home. Right. I mean, there are some super hardworking people I'm sure who that's helping. Um, And probably that's enough to have a big, you know, those are probably the geniuses of the world that are having some material impact, but I guess most
0: people don't want to just watch something on Netflix or something. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. At the same time that these tools for self-development have uh, proliferated, there's also been, a proliferation of tools of like Mm. distraction and you know like uh i i don't want to cast any blame or point any fingers uh, (laughs) but (laughs) but there are certain apps that uh that like i mean the whole metric of success is like eyeball hours right and and stickiness
1: yeah yeah it's an interesting i mean um because I don't have that problem at all. Like I don't. I don't see the appeal of social media in the slightest. Like I get bored so fast. I guess I've I've tasted it before. I've had. I've spent like an hour scrolling through TikTok and been like, oh, I'm you know distracted. But I've never lapsed into like, you know, maybe that I do that once or something, and then the next time two minutes, and I'm like, oh, like I don't want to do it. It's getting, you know It's almost like being around. Uh, eating junk food for the fourth day in a row. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this isn't good anymore. Like <laughs> I'm tired <I've> of pizza. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It, especially like with my girlfriend It's so surprising with her because I, you would not expect this about her personality. I guess it truly has captured like everyone in this generation, but she is so addicted to like, can just stare at Instagram for hours. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it, but it definitely happens to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. And it, it's also, I mean, uh, I was ready to like jump on you and like make the point, like you're a successful person. Maybe you are the type of hardworking person oh. who is able to like have that like sovereignty over themselves, that as opposed to the social media companies having sovereignty over you and, uh, you oh. know, pushing you into algorithmic filter bubbles and, uh, you know, projecting or, 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 um, predicting your behavior uh, and making your behavior more predictable intentionally through, you know, influence mm. and targeted advertising and all of that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then you said your girlfriend does it uh, on Instagram. And now my argument is, uh, is maybe less, less potent. Uh, right. Cause it sounds like she's, she's, a, you know, incredibly competent person too. Uh, right.
1: It fits the same demographic. And then a weird thing is, I mean, to go back to what we were talking about before, like my cornerstone, right? It's like addictiveness. Like I've had 90% of the addictions available, right? It's like just, <laughs> just this one, for some reason, I just don't see the appeal of it. It's uh, yeah. I, maybe social media and gambling. Those are the only two where I'm yeah. like, I don't I don't get it. Like, yeah. I'm the addiction guy and I don't get
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't get gambling either. I I wonder if that's uh related because the I've heard that they oh. use uh casino algorithms in social media in order to addict people.
1: Yeah, and I hear people make that like slot machine metaphor all the time of like the dopamine rush that you get from uh social media. Yeah, maybe that is maybe it, it is connected.
0: Yeah. And like, I just got back from Vegas. I went to the, uh, when we were young thing, like back in October. Yeah. And, uh, and I like tried, you know, like every time I'm there, I'm like, okay, you know, I've, I've heard people, you know, get tons of free drinks and, you know, they sit around and smoke and drink and just press a button on a slot machine and have conversation with the person that they brought with them and. Like that's a, that's an entertaining thing to do in Vegas. We'll kill some time that way. But, uh, you know, like $20 disappeared in 30 seconds and I was like, okay, I think I'm done. (laughs) You know, there's, it's just not, it's doesn't appeal. Even take the like money
1: part of it out of the equation, which is, it should be a huge deterrent. I just find it boring. Like I've been to Vegas yeah. too. I love the drinking and the smoking part. I'm all for that. <laughs> but then I go sit down at the, one of these slots. I'm like, I don't want to play a game right now. You know, I want to just relax. Like, I don't want to have my head. So turned on, like push the button or what card am I going to get? Right. It's like two, like, I just wanted to sit at the bar, have my drink
0: and change smoke cigarettes and let my mind wander. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, uh, so, uh, we've been going about an hour I don't know if you noticed, but we, uh, what do you, what do you think about returning to the queen for some closing thoughts? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so I think like just looking at the keywords here, uh, the ones that came up during our conversation, I would say are like emotional stability, uh, being in flow is what we were just talking about. Like Mm. kind of a, Uh, uh, a simulacrum of flow uh, through addiction, inner feelings we talked about a lot, self-care we talked about, codependency. Um, I think the queen, I I think it it captured a lot of uh, our conversation. Um, I don't know. What do you, how do you want to, how do you want to dismount?
1: Yeah, I think it, uh, it seemed like a nice, guide to our conversation I think it helped provoke a lot of these topics and it's pretty interesting I feel like a lot of the t- conversations you and I have like some of those themes are like major reoccurring ones like I feel like you and yeah. I do ultimately end up going to like relationships a lot yeah which is I think it's because like I feel I mean, you go way back to the start, like this relationship of like, you're very good at like making people feel kind of comforted, almost like in a therapy type setting of like, you're somebody who like, when I talk to you, it does not take long for me to want to go to like, here's my emotional vulnerability or like my deepest, (laughs) (laughs) you know, concern at the moment. And usually for me, that is like my romantic relationships or, uh, Mm. or the problems or like being single and not having really, you know, it's, it's usually that is like the, I think the codependence is kind of like my core sin or like wound that, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's probably deeply connected with the other topic we had, the like intensity and addictiveness and stuff. Like I think those two go hand in hand. And so, yeah, I feel like given that like comfort level of, or the kind of like therapist vibe you, you give off with me. It's like, I love going just straight into that area and getting your uh, advice and kind of just being able to hash it out with you. It's always, uh, always pleasant.
0: Oh, that's, that's maybe one of the sweetest things that anyone has said to me this week. I love, (laughs) I love to hear that, that I love, I, and I sensed it at the beginning too, that like, uh, Oh shit. We're like, we're almost into Jeff giving Jimmy therapy territory. (laughs) Like maybe, maybe we want to pull back from that a little bit and not get too vulnerable in a recorded conversation. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, I do want to have, I want to talk more about, uh, those things and, uh, hopefully we can, uh, continue talking. I want, I want to catch back up with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to catch up with you in person too. And yeah, I think we—I don't think yeah. we went too crazy on the therapy vibe. I think it's just kind of the paradigm you and I are bound to slip into. But it seems like we kept it at a pretty good level. Yeah. I would guess this will be entertaining to at least a handful of people. We'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is all—all all that I ever wanted. <laughs> so, uh, thanks a ton, Jim, Jimbo, yeah. Jim-bopolis, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you hopping on and and becoming an official node in the net.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Good talking to you.
0: Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.